Hey guys, and welcome back to Typically Hazardous. This is Hank Fortner, and I am bringing you today a podcast, which is an interview with two people that is uh, going to be pretty cool. We have two guys who run an organization called D1 Sports. Now, D1 Sports, for those of you who don't live in the sports world, is this small startup turned national brand where basically what they do is they do group fitness. So they build these huge boxes, these gigantic football field type workout spaces where they do group fitness. So it's similar to like a CrossFit thing, except it's designed for athletes. So if you spent your life training to be an athlete and you played in a D1 school and maybe you went pro or didn't go pro, and now you're like an accountant or a doctor or a banker or a lawyer, but you're so used to training physically, there's no place for you to train hard. If you're at a YMCA, you look like a weird guy trying to deadlift 600 pounds. So Essentially, what they did is they created this place for athletes, whether you're a, uh, an amateur athlete or an ex-pro athlete or pro athletes in combines. And what's amazing about these two guys, and one of them's name is Will Bartholomew, the other one's named Dan Murphy, and I'm going to interview them back-to-back. So you're going to hear Will's interview first, and then you're going to hear Dan's interview. And what I love about these guys is two things. I love their partnership and the way they relate to each other, and then I also love their entrepreneurial hustle. There's so much that can be learned about that entrepreneurial spirit that is, in essence, two things, both dangerous and hazardous, as well as unbelievably spiritual. There's no way that you can be in startup world. There's no way that you can be in startups. There's no way you can be in that entrepreneurial space without seeing everything is connected and spiritual. So I want to talk to these two guys, both great men of faith, both really cool guys interpersonally. And their partnership is really important. So I wanted to dive a little bit into their story, a little bit into their business, and have you hear a little bit of what's happening at D1 Sports. Check it out. I hope you love it. Again, Will's going to be first, and then Dan. Hope you love it. We'll start with your story. Just tell me where where did the D1 story originate? So take me as far back as that needs to go. Yeah, so um, I'm an ex-football player who uh, um, at the time was playing for the Denver Broncos, I, I blew out my knee in training camp, and I was married, and I moved back home to Nashville, and uh, my wife, we had our first kid, and uh, I'm, I'm literally living in my parents' house with a wife and a child and a dream to play football and trying to rehab my knee, and um, I would go over to the YMCA and do my rehab and lift. And when you're training to get back in the NFL, you have to train pretty aggressively. <laughs> and yeah, so, right. And what I happened would, to your knee? Uh, I tore my ACL and I had microfracture surgery wow. on, on my right knee. And was this during play or was this during Yeah, training during, or? during training camp. Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't during a game. But, um, you know, so I had, had uh, I was trying to get back and, and was in the YMCA, had my, my headphones on and was uh, throwing around some rather heavy weight back in the day. I, w- I weighed uh, 250 pounds and I was pounding the weights, right? So a big meathead throwing throwing right. weights around. And everybody's looking at me all crazy. And I always just felt weird going in and out of there, right? Sure. Like it was like everybody's like, all right, here comes the guy who's going <laughs> to throw, throw yeah. a bunch of weight around and then go in the gym and do yeah. sprints. The guys were know? there to get on an elliptical for a half hour on their way to work. Or yeah, whatever. and not- I was like, man, there's just there's no place for an athlete to go train unless I go back to my college and be around a group of people that are striving towards a goal, mm-hmm. you know? And so... Um, that's when I was like, man, I need to create a place like this. And, uh, so, um, decided to open a gym and my roommate, I was describing what I wanted to do at the time. My college roommate, I was like, Hey man, 
It's like, I want to create a place just like we have in college, you know, where you have a, a coach, you have, mm-hmm. you know, a therapist there you can ask questions to and, you know, just somebody who's really taking care of you, help you, help you achieve your goals. But I want to do it for the community. I want to do the same thing I did at the University of Tennessee and I want to do it for all the people in this community. And he's like, oh, yeah, kind of like a D1 college. And that's when the name clicked. And I was like, oh, D1. Nice. And so at and there's the, got to be, I mean, I don't know how many thousands, maybe you know, how many hundreds of thousands of people who came through that process, right? Who were a part of D1 schools or that training yeah. facility, and that was a part of their life. I mean, fitness, there's, right? if you look around, you look at how many athletes, um, how, how much athletics impacts just the everyday human, whether right. it's, uh, you know, a kid in high school right now, um, it will literally stays with you the rest of your life. You know, and people strive, they love that athletic feeling. I mean, some of your ha- happiest memories for me and for a lot of people are when, you know, you were playing sports, you're out there with your buddies, right. and y'all were all working towards something. And then, you know, you go throughout life and you lose some of that community and goal and striving. And there's, there is an element, a, a, a spiritual, physical element where when you're working on your body, you know, it just seems like things start clicking better, like right. in your life. And, you're, right. you know, my life's on track, you know, I'm getting great workouts, right? Yeah, and so, right, totally. Yeah, I mean, that's where it all came about. And I opened my first um, uh, gym. It was 4,000 square feet and called it D1 because I want everybody like a Division One athlete. Are we sitting athlete. in it now? Is this the place? This is not. This is not. Okay. This is... Uh, where was that space? Version 2.0. Okay. Nice. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, it was right around the corner. It was uh, about, about you know, half a mile from where we're sitting today. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And you got that started. And then what was your plan? Like, did you have a vision when you said, hey, I want to do this? Like, in your mind or in that moment when you're there with the headphones on you like I want to create a place were you thinking of a place or were you imagining I want to grow this mega organization that's nationally does that make sense like did you start with that because so many of the things that I'm interested in is whenever I meet with entrepreneurs or or businessmen or leaders or people who have started movements they always started not by saying I want to start a movement or start a brand or start a whatever everybody I've met with they have this consistent theme that they were trying to solve a problem for someone they cared about and every time they were trying to do that, it seems like that was the impetus for something that grew into something larger. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't think it was uh, like when I first sat down and created D1. It wasn't it wasn't the the, the um, long term vision to have, you know, 30 gyms around the country and therapy clinics all around. The, you know, when I when I started, it was like, man, I. I want a, a group of people like myself who want to train aggressively to get yeah, together right. and go run after a goal together. Yeah. And I honestly never really thought it would turn into my uh, career path for the next, you know, here I am 15 years later. Wow. Right? Um, yeah, my, you were just striving for that community again, that camaraderie. That's it. And that sense that you you belonged there while you trained this hard. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, don't get me wrong. I love the business aspect of it. And I just think the DNA of my, my person, my DNA, my personality is why it, it is where it is because okay. I just I'm not I'm a um, I have a chip on my shoulder I'm I I, uh, I do I mean I have this like I want to be bigger sure. and better than everyone and yeah. I think I can and I have this fullback mentality that I'm gonna push through it even if it uh, looks terrible in front of me I'm gonna run through the wall right wow, and yeah. so I think that's what you know when I started 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 the company and got you know traction with the business. Take um, me to that moment, like when you, so you get the first 4,000 square foot gym, like who's your first member? Are you like the first guy working out? Are you work? I picture you working out alone in your gym now and going, <laughs> okay, 
Where are my Where are my bros? Where's this camaraderie? Like, where did you go to get those first members? Those, I mean, because it's got to pay for itself, right? Like, yeah. What, this wasn't a gift to the community. It was an opportunity for them. Where did you get your first members, and what was your thinking along that line? Yeah, it was crazy. Is my so my young? I always dated to my younger brother. My younger brother was in seventh grade at the time. Wow. And he's eleven years younger than me. He now has uh, two babies and a wife and a job and all that stuff in <laughs> a house. Um, Still a little years younger. He was he was my first member, and I was like, "Go get all your buddies." So nice. I trained his entire class. Cool. And by the way, they won the state championship six years later. Nice. Uh, nice. But they started in seventh grade, and I started taking them through the workout. And then you know, word got around, and people started signing up. And um, what's funny is a lot of the guys that work at D one and our corporate D one. They were some of the first members, like Dan Murphy, wow. who's the president of all the training operations. He uh, he was one of my first members. Wow, that's cool. So, um, yeah, it was just fun. We worked out together, and it wasn't one of those, like, when we got it going, it, it wasn't like one of these, I want to be a certain size. It was just when I got into the business, I thought, man, I could keep scaling this thing and really turn it into something special. Mm -hmm. Now, when you had that thought or that moment of scaling, when you entered into that decision like that chip on your shoulder served you well so you had the thought and with the chip those those two powers combined you were like let's go forward what was your first thought like what was your next step because for me i i oftentimes see growth sometimes it can be a thought or an idea or a dream people have and they're just not sure where do i go with that next step whether it's my own business if i'm a photographer and i have run a business or if i run a business and i'm so central to it what were your first steps in going hey if i'm going to scale this i'm going to need what? Where did that? What were those thoughts? Um, you know, when when thinking about a next step to actually take the company, I don't think I don't I don't know if I ever really necessarily sat down and thought about that. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a, a I'm a, a jump first, think second. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not a thinker. Right. Um, sure. No, like literally, that's kind of how I when I got the business going, I was like, man, I'm having I'm having some success. Let's go to another one. Oh, you know, okay. and so I just yeah. went and opened a, a second location. Yeah, and and failed miserably at it. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I learned a lot right through yeah. it. And then I went and opened a third and had some success. And then uh, you know, I, I just you know, a guy asked me something. Uh, one of my friends asked me something. Uh, you know, when I got into the business, it's probably two or three years in. He looked at me and he goes, "Hey, if you could play football again, like if you could go back and play pro or play college, what would you do different?" Mm -hmm. I thought about it, and this has resonated with me, you know, obviously here, here's 12, 12, 13 years later. And I looked at him and I go, you know, I wish I had just never played with any fear. Hmm. I think I'd have been a better player if I just didn't, didn't worry about it, didn't think about it, made the decision, and right. went with it. Yeah. And uh, I feel like that's been kind of my business life. Um, yeah. I've just, you know, if you look at the company, we just haven't had any fear. People wow. said, hey, don't open more gyms when the economy, when we're in a recession. What I do, we open more gyms. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you can never get more. You know, you can never have celebrity athletes own gyms, and you know, I'm like, all right, well, let's just go get all the celebrities to own gyms. Right. You know, yeah, uh, totally. And, and so I've just always beat to a little bit different drum, and I think I think because of that, um, you know, it's been successful in the marketplace, and I think people have found a real home. And I think when people come into D1, they identify with. Uh, not just not just hard work and effort. They identify with the community of of working out together. Right. You know, with the blaring music and sure. uh, the the 
the tough rawness of working out, right? Yeah. I mean, we're pounding weights. You don't walk into a D1. It's not not, not your slickest gym. Sure. That's sure. not what we want to be. Yeah. We want it to feel when you come in, this is a serious place yeah, to Yeah, like even when I walk in today, I walked in and there's loud music going on and there's just raw, yeah, just plates everywhere and people doing <laughs> and people working out. And then we're talking over the music while we're walking across the football field. Like there's a sense in which you do feel, you feel like you've stepped in and you are being trained it's a training space as opposed to uh, I'm here to jump on an elliptical for 20 minutes, which some people want, and there's yeah. a space for that, but it doesn't feel domestic. That's it, and, and that's who that's who we want. We are yeah. not for that person who wants to jump on the elliptical. You know what? Right. I want to jump on the elliptical. You know what I do? I got one at the house. Yeah, right. I don't do it at D1. Yeah, exactly. I, I honestly, if I came in here and jumped on the elliptical, I feel like people would probably laugh at me. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, this is a serious place to get after it, and we that's the way I've always wanted it to be, and that's the way yeah. I want it to feel. And... Um, there is a, a very big community out there, which obviously we've been opening up gyms for people to go to, uh, that love that feeling. Yeah, it's and, cool. And that, um, you know, their training in D1 is, is almost their sport for the adult side right. of it. Um, sure. And this is what they do, right? Yeah. So I want to dive deep into two c- categories with you. Yeah. Um, the one category is the partnerships you have, like you mentioned, with celebrity athletes. Um, so partnerships with the celebrity athletes, where did that begin and where have you seen, how have you seen that be a part of your, I mean, it's clearly a part of the market. It's a part of your strategy. How did that begin for you? And in what role are those relationships in terms of the growth of the business? Yeah, I mean, I think for, you know, anyone who's listening out there, I mean, it's kind of like when you're sitting down thinking about your business or your life, you know, um, there's some people out there that want to be a me too, mm-hmm. right? There's some people out there that mm-hmm. want to be, you know, hey, you know, I want to, I want to open up a, a coffee shop just like Starbucks. I want right. to be the second version of Starbucks. Right. And that was just never me, right? Like when I got into this, you know, I, it took me forever to actually call D1 a gym. <laughs> uh, we call them facilities. Right. And, I, you know, for me, like when I got into it, I wanted it to be different. And so I've always looked for differentiating factors. It doesn't matter what area we're in. I want to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Sometimes yeah, right. it's been bad for me, but sure. majority of times it's been a great success. And so uh, where the celebrity athlete came into play was actually I was back in Knoxville working out um, in – a lot happens in the weight room for me. I was working out in uh, the Tennessee weight room because um, I was actually opening the D1 in Knoxville. Okay. And I and, uh, just needed to get a pump in. My gym wasn't open yet, so I went back to the right. university and was lifting in there. And Peyton Manning was in the weight room working out. And he said, Will, I heard what you're doing. And we started, we hit, you know, we we're talking. We played together, obviously, at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, man, I'd love to get involved sometime. I'm like, dude, let's go. I'm like, and the light bulb just went off. I'm like, if I have you involved as a partner, mm-hmm. um, my marketing's done, right? right. <laughs> like, yeah. Everybody's Absolutely. coming. Yeah. Marketing awareness is there. Right. And then um, I'm like, man, this really represents who you are. You're a hard worker. You're all about effort. And it really, really connected up. Now, uh, just like anything with doing anything um, different, it's tough, you know. He sure. sent down his team. I had uh, 39 pages of notes from his lawyers oh, to be a geez. partnership. Yeah, agreement. I bet. Yeah, I bet. But, you know, that's where it all started. And uh, tribute a lot of that to Peyton. And Peyton's been just an amazing partner cool. and has given a lot back to this business and to the communities. And so we started from there. And now we, now we got Tebow and Chris Paul and Chipper Jones. And cool. we got just some amazing guys that own these locations. And every single one of them, they write a check. 
So they actually invested. They mm-hmm. write cash. I mean, this is not just giving my name. Yeah, right. They're writing checks in, into the business to open them. But every single one of them, when I talk to them, I'm like, listen, you don't want to get involved in this business unless you're all about the community. Mm-hmm. This isn't about making money. This isn't about – if you're about your community and helping athletes, that's what that's why you want to get into it. Yeah, it's cool. And what I know about you guys just from talking to your team and other people is, like, you guys are actually really selective. You're not like, oh, cool, hey, you're a famous athlete. Yeah, let's get you a D1. Yeah. You're, you're really selective. What are you looking for when you look for those – because some people might go, hey, I want to grow my business – this guy's got a lot of Twitter followers or he's yeah. got a huge following. I say yes. Like, I feel like you guys being selective has kept you really on brand with those kinds of guys. What do you look for when you're looking for a Yeah, it's real simple. Person? It's real simple. It's core values, right? Mm-hmm. It's everything from the type of people we hire to the partners we have. We want everyone to have the same core values. And what, what are those core values? Core values are team. they got to mm-hmm. be able to be a great team member. You know, they got to contribute to the team, and they got to be a part of a team, yeah. and they got to live out being a good team. So you member. even look for that personality, like when you hear a story about that athlete on TV, or if you... Oh, yeah. So a dude who blows off practice and is in the news for drunk driving yeah, or whatever not, else. Yeah, we don't want that. Okay, yeah. yeah we don't want that. It's not a part of what you guys do. Yeah. Uh, second one, we want them to be passionate. Hmm. And I define passion as willing to die for it. Not necessarily give up their life, but maybe sacrifice some things in their life. Yeah, right. You know, Peyton Manning could um, go out and do another endorsement, but instead he chose to invest in D1 and spend some time there. Yeah. You know, he's giving up stuff to be a part of this, so be passionate about it. Um, And the last one is to have character. We have 12 character walls spray painted on every D1 facility. Uh, You see them when you're out there, words like fearless and accountability. We want them to live out those character words. Um, You know, and as athletes, we all strive to not just be in shape, but to have great character, cool. right? And uh, that goes on and off the field, and we want them to have that. That's cool. Uh, talk to me about, so that's rad, and I love that. I love the model that you created, even through those relationships, and I love that selectivity you have. Because um, to me, it's a testament to your character of going, this might be a good money business decision to partner with this guy, but it would dilute who we are, which I've, I really admire yeah. about you guys. Um, talk to me about what your, how do you feel about failure? Because uh, I feel like what you said about like you know you would have lived you would have lived fearlessly, I love that as like a I love that yeah. in my mind and I love that as like yes like I get pumped up but I'm a I'm the kind of person who like just hates failing yeah. so like how do you feel about failure and do you have a failure that you go man I blew it here and here's how I reacted to it yeah failure sucks right I mean right. Uh, I don't know anybody who's like that. <laughs> man I love to fail. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> um, uh, and when you're a competitive person like I am, I'm extremely competitive. And so um, if anybody in my family is listening, I beat you in everything. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah. no, but like literally I, I'm, I'm a very competitive person. I yeah. like to win. So failing really sucks. And yeah. I, I'm very hard on myself. Do you but have I, thoughts like when you fail? Do you have thought, things you tell yourself? Do you have – does that make sense? Like when you go through that failure and you know what that feels like or loss, like even if it's losing – when you have that, what, how do you respond? How do you pick yourself up? How do you move forward? Like, what's a narrative you carry for yourself? Yeah, for me, uh, that was kind of a loaded question, right? So if you break it, <laughs> let me break that down. Yeah. Uh, so if if I have failure in my life, there's a couple things I turn to, um, which is one, uh, the first one is history, right? Mm-hmm. I always rewind my history, right? So it's kind of like, I'll go, you know, what did I do when I was like 10 years old and that was successful? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. So I always lean, lean on my past, my history of my life, okay, right? Because right. I've had, you know, I think if every everyone has had some success in their life that you need to lean on and record and write down and just so you can go remember it. 
because that's going to help carry you through when you do suck. Right? And it all keeps it. In, it all that also probably keeps it in context too, right? That's right. Right, like this moment's not my isn't isn't ruining my life because look, I did this. You right. I mean, you're yeah, you're exactly. giving yourself anchors by doing that. I love that. Yeah, you got to have that. You got to be able to look back, right? Yeah. You got to be able to look back, and then, you know, for me, failure. One of the the ways that I look at it is if you, if you're not failing, you're really not trying, mm-hmm. right? You're not pushing yourself. And so I always lean on that. And as a business owner, <laughs> you want to mitigate failure, right? You want to you want to do calculated, but you got to take risks. Mm-hmm. You have to. And um, I'm I'm t- still taking my risks have gotten even bigger. You know, every right. year they get bigger and bigger because as the company grows, you got to take bigger risks to continue to move the ball forward. So your tolerance has to grow with that too, your right? Tolerance your definitely has to, to grow. That. Yeah. It's it's funny, uh, you know. My dad used to always say, you know, you're you're ten dollar me to death, right? Mm-hmm. Like we yeah. go to we go to him, but hey, dad, I got to buy lunch <laughs> yeah. today. Give me ten bucks. Right. The way I say it now, I'm like, I look at my kids. I'm like, you're hundred dollar me to death. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, because you know your tolerance grew. It's right. gotten bigger, right? Because yeah, right. you know things get more expensive. <laughs> yeah, totally. And the same thing with the company. You know, I mean, the the uh, the stakes have gotten higher. But I love it even more. I love yeah. it when the stakes are higher. And I, I mean, we were sharing stories about. Um, a little bit about my personality. I like to live on the edge. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that gets my me in trouble. But uh, <laughs> most of the time, I've been I've been blessed um, to have a great group of people around me to keep me out of trouble. But I like to live on the edge. I like to push cool. it, whether it's uh, you know doing adrenaline crazy things. Um, it's just I, I love that. I love that uh, you can live on the edge and uh, put keep pushing it and taking risks and. Um, I love watching what happens to you as you do that. Because mm-hmm. I feel like every time I push myself and take a big risk and it works or doesn't work, mm-hmm. I always find out what I'm really made of. Right. Right? Yeah. You're like, man, right. you're, I'm a lot tougher than I thought. Yeah. Or I can go good. a little bit longer than I thought. Yeah. Um, when I I'm a re- have a wrestling background too. So I was a wrestler. Okay. So one story I always lean on was uh, we uh, – I went to Dan Gable's intensive wrestling camp, which was a fun thing to do when you're in high school. Um, and as I was there and experiencing just uh, um, a pretty tough camp, you did this thing called a red flag practice. Mm-hmm. It's basically a three-hour practice where you're running the entire time and wrestling and you don't take breaks. And uh, throughout that practice, I'll never forget it, Dan Gable like pulls us in. He goes, you're about to find out what you're truly made of. And uh, I've I've always leaned on that experience because what it did was it taught me, man, man, I don't need water. Or maybe I can go a lot longer than I Mm -hmm. thought I could. Right. and, and I hear what you're saying is like failure is the only way you know where that limit is, right? Like, that's it. And it's like what, even what I'm adding in my own life is if I am afraid of failure, I never get myself to that last 10% that I might have or the last 25% because I'm afraid that failure comes and failure might come later than I expect, right? Like I well, might have another plate on each side. I might have another five minutes. Look at it this way. Another- look at it this way. Not only will you find out what that 10% is, but when your back's against the wall, you actually figure – as humans, we will find a way out. Right, yeah. And then that's when your character is really tested. Yeah, Because right. are you going to cheat? Are you going to do the wrong thing? Mm-hmm. But when your back's against the wall and you take those risks and you're deliberate about it, you're going to find out what you're truly, really made of. Yeah. And uh, that's what, in my opinion, you have to do, yeah. right? And I, I, I always fear for people that take 
cush, cush jobs or yeah. take, you know, the easy way. Because yeah. I'm like, you're never going to find out what you're made of. And when, when something does come your way, man, it's going to be tough, right? It's going <laughs> to yeah, be tough, it. you know? It. And that, that's why I like, you know, I, I lean a lot on sports, obviously, but like, I love, like I got my kids, I want them wrestling. Yeah, right. Like my kid, because I love him. One on one, your back's against the wall. You're gonna find out you're either gonna get slammed yeah. Yeah. or you're gonna step up, right? right. And so that's um, so cool. I think it's just really good to push yourself. That's awesome. Well, I have so many questions for you, but I know I want to make sure we got time because you're not just a businessman and a coach and an athlete and all those things. You're also a family man, and yeah, your daughter's got a race, yeah. so I got to get you out of here. Uh, how, what role does your spirituality play in your life as a leader and in your life as an athlete? Yeah, so uh, um, being a believer, not just a, uh, a believer in, in Jesus Christ, but just being a, a believer in uh, the almighty, powerful God, you, you're able to take risk. So just kind of bring this conversation full yeah, circle. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, a guy, uh, another good friend of mine when I was starting the company, looked at me and he's like, hey, what's the worst that could happen if this thing fails, right? Because I was having some fear at the time and sure. maybe a little doubt. And I'm like, um, you know, go get a job, you know, whatever, go, you know, wrap it up. And thinking thinking through that, I, I would always lean back on and be like, man, I don't want to fail, but then I always have my faith, mm-hmm. right? I always have my faith. And so when to talk, to talk through kind of, the ability to take risks, have no fear, is really centered on my faith. Hmm. It's the only reason I'm able to, right? Uh, the only way, the re, only way that I can move the company forward or manage a company this size, when I've never done it before, is because I got a very, very, very big God behind me. Yeah, right. And uh, there've been at times when it's been, you know, anybody who's run a company knows you, it, there's some dark places, man. <laughs> Your mind can go to some dark place. Hey, I'm letting people down. Yeah. I'm failing. Um, I, I had a, a very uh, lonely time one point in the company, and I remember sitting in my chair going, man, what am I going to do? And I called, my, I called my mom. And my mom, I'm like, mom, stressed out. I got, you know, all these business problems. And she, Aren't she moms said, the best? I mean, moms are the best. You think about how yeah. old are you when you're calling your mom? It's yeah. like people are like, man, you never grow out of that. <laughs> you never, right? There's the, she's the person. So I love that about and, moms. And she said, "Well, close your eyes." And <laughs> you have to know my mom. My mom's pretty opinionated, and so it's great. I'm like, okay, mom. I'm like, close my eyes. She's like, let me tell you something. God has had His hand on your life, and He is holding you up. You got a big God underneath you. All your problems should be gone because he's taking care of them. And I'm like, literally, like my heart starts melting. I'm like, oh, God, I can do it. You know what I mean? (laughs) But really, I mean, my faith is everything. My faith is where we're at today as a company, where I'm at with my family and my wife and my kids. And, you know, I couldn't do it without my faith. Because I I really mean this. It's my foundation. Yeah. Do you pray? Absolutely. What do you pray when you pray? You know, so I, I, I do uh, a daily prayer and um, actually have it in my journal over there. But my, my big thing is every year I change up my daily prayer. Cool. And uh, so my daily, my daily prayer this year is about courage, always having courage, and then always having hope. Hmm. Um, courage and hope are two things in, in this world that I feel like sometimes start falling apart when you get older. You right. know, and every year sure. I get older, I want to sure. make sure I not only have courage to keep taking risks, 
Um, but also I have hope for, for a brighter future. Cool. And, uh, I really do believe that that that's out there. It's amazing. Yeah. So if, if you and God had a conversation, what would he say to you right now? Oh man, what would God say to me? Well, we have a lot of conversations. It depends on the day. Um, what would he say today? <laughs> I think, I think, um, you know, that's a great, that's a really good question. I like that one. Hmm. I, I, I believe, I believe this. I believe that God would say, well done with your wife and kids. And I think he'd say, um, you got a lot to, long way to go. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> he'd say, great, and we're going to keep moving. Yeah. I mean, cool. I, you know, I, and all of us, right? So it's a little bit of my personality, right? Like I feel like a lot of times we reflect our own personalities on God, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, right? right? Yeah, you know, right. it's kind of. But God so when is I, blonde-haired and built, yeah, and, uh, right. So I started thinking about it. And I'm like, but you know, that's the way I, I, you know, as I pray and I think about how God look, you know, looks at my life. Um, I think I think he would sit back and say, you know, great job pushing it. You just, you got a long way to go, man. And yeah, uh, sure. there's you know, and so I get excited about that because awesome. I don't want the journey to be over yet. It's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I, well, I got to get you out of here so you can get yeah. to your daughter's CrossFit or uh, her cross cross country cross country. Yeah, yeah. I don't I won't say CrossFit here. Yeah, uh, but thanks so much for your time and thanks yeah, so much thank for you, sharing man. your stories. Really I appreciate cool. it. Thanks for having yeah. me on. Thanks. Start me with like how'd you get where you are right now? Yep. Narrative wise, like what did you, what did you get into? What was your story there? Sure. Dan Murphy and I'm uh, the president D1 Sports Training. I'm partners with Will Bartholomew, who you've already talked to. And um, I've been with the business for 10 years now and became a partner about eight years ago in the business. Uh, my background. And Will says, by the way, that you were his fir- one of his first um, members. Of I was. The D1. Yeah, that's how okay, I got right. involved. That's right. Um, you know, my background, I'm a, I'm a military guy by training. I went to West Point, uh, did five Amazing. years in the my military. My grandfather went to West Point. No kidding. Graduated 55. Okay, 96. Nice. Did five years in the military, uh, deployed a few times, didn't see any action or anything like that. Okay. But uh, where, where were you deployed? I was in um, Kuwait in uh, okay. Operation Southern Watch, which if you remember back in 99, wasn't. Uh, we just kind of hung out on the border okay. and shot a lot of live rounds into the desert. Got at, it. At okay. nobody. Okay. So it was got cool. It. it was very cool. Uh, got out of the military, got to have a family. Oops. Uh, in 2001, and then uh, went to grad school here in Vandy, and that's actually where I met Will okay. through his dad. His dad was also a West Point guy, mm-hmm. and I was a member there at, at D1. And um, you know, for me, I knew kind of growing up, you know, I kind of followed that straight and narrow path, right? I mean, you can imagine when you're when you go to West Point, you typically have done all the things you're supposed to do, right? Eagle Scout, probably wasn't an Eagle Scout, okay. but you know, it might as well have been. Um, just kind of did what I thought was right. And I found I was living other people's dreams a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, smart guy, you can do this, you can do that. And that sounds great. And you want to keep succeeding very quickly found in the military, you know, you get very, uh, demotivated in an, in an environment where it doesn't matter what you do or how, how well you do it. Um, you're going to proceed at the same speed as everybody else, if mm. that makes sense. And mm-hmm. you really can't benefit from any yeah. kind of ingenuity or any type of... Sure. It's very, you know, lockstep now. Which is probably frustrating to some people, and it's probably really 
like calming and soothing to other people who yeah, go, absolutely, man, I, I know, I know the pace I can move. I just have to f- check these boxes. I do right? this, I get promoted. Yeah, and lockstep in eighteen months, I'll be first lieutenant. You know, right. for me, I, you know, you get guys that just kind of walk their way through that whole career, and I just felt yeah. like twenty years were going to pass me by, and I really wasn't going to do anything. Now I was serving, which was you know huge in and of itself, and that's why yep. I love the military. I really thought it'd be my career. But wanted to get out and really just from the jump wanted to, I mean, I went to business school just to kind of refine that acumen. Like I knew I was missing that. I was an engineer mm-hmm. by trade, you know, leadership stuff. I felt like I had a good handle on obviously dealing in, in the military. Um, but, you know, wanted to try something. Actually tried something out of uh, out of Vandy before I got involved with D1 with a, 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 another classmate of mine there that was a uh, energy risk management business. Okay. And we, we hedged futures for trucking companies and, uh, and basically with heating oil futures, but not to bore you on that. I was going to say, I, I, I mean, I, I, cool. I read the Wall Street Journal and yeah. stuff, but I have no idea what you just said. Yeah, so. essentially, you know, <laughs> trying to fix trucking companies' costs, you know, through heating oil contracts. Nice. And what happened was it was 04. So it was basically uh, a market that had not had any type of Got it. Um, you know, uh, mean reverting Sure. aspect to it it was just straight up yeah so we really had very few opportunities so it didn't go well um at the time i was with you know with these guys i was looking for health insurance okay and will was just starting off and he's about <laughs> to get his first investment from peyton so yeah. i'm a, you know oh yeah man i'm a vandy mba i'll be able to help you right out. sure we wrote this business plan i mean it was like 700 facilities in 50 you know oh, wow. five years okay, something crazy right. like that yeah, yeah. Of course, he invested off it so that I'll, sick i'll take it so yeah. your invest your business plan is what Peyton looked at. Yeah, that's the one we, we put D1. together to get cool. to initially get involved in the Nashville location here. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I was pretty proud that that happened. That's the way really it did. Cool. That led to me getting employed and then to be a partner with Will. So that's, that's where I'm fantastic. at today. At what point did you realize that the trucking futures, hedging, yeah. fixed prices, that kind of stuff, at what point did you realize that that wasn't going to work? You know, like what was the breaking point where you, because obviously, yeah, you were looking for health insurance, that kind of stuff. Like, how did you know it was time to jump ship on an idea that felt like, yeah, probably you were excited about it at one point. Very excited, I, you know. He, the guy who he's a, he was a quant, right? So he was very, very numbers based. He was looking for the, you know, a, a model that had some sort of cyclical value in it. And like I said, with the market going sh- shooting straight up as it was, I was like, we're not. We we had contracts. We had mm-hmm. big companies. We had Avert Express. We had uh, Boyd, uh, their flatbed trucker at Alabama, pretty big for a small company just starting up. No opportunity to trade. No opportunity right. to actually put them in place. Right. So. You know, whereas if you start that company yeah. five years later, oh, we'd be killing after it. the 08, 09, yeah, fiasco, well, I, yeah I say that I w- it would probably, probably would be killing it, but yeah, but uh, there would have been more opportunity, opportunity right? More yeah. stuff there, yeah. So that's what that's what really kind of led to it. He's one of these guys very proud of the model he created. He was more the quant, and I was the sales piece. Cool, and I just you know, hey, this is not you know, I got two kids, another on the way. I got to, you know, and I, I was training at the time with D1. Yeah. I spent a ton of time with him and he was picking my brain a lot. Yeah. And Will and I really just jived on So it. Will sounds like, and you know, he's on this podcast already. He yeah. did another episode. Oh, cool. And he describes himself as a guy with a chip on his shoulder, very competitive, wants to do something nobody else has done before, yep. doesn't want to be the me too guy. Uh, what's it like to work with Will in terms of your partnership? So yeah. for me, uh, for so much of my life, my success has been rooted in partnerships with really strong personalities Absolutely. and learning to navigate that in your sense and especially coming in at, with as a partner, what's that like to navigate a relationship with a business partner yeah. and what are some of the ways in which you go, here's how I keep this in in a good place and how do you handle that when it's not in a good place? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's trying. 
to, to say it. I mean that in a good way. I mean, I think the two of us really, we do sharpen each other. We really do. We're not just kind of, I don't concede to what he thinks all the time, and he definitely does it for me. Mm-hmm. As, we, as he told you, he has a very distinct vision for what this, this company is, and I, I love that. I feel like he is that lightning rod. I'm fine being a partner and supporting that vision. I mean, I think that's one thing that's worked out really well for us is that I know my role. I'm, I'm, I'm here, you know, I'm here mainly for credibility on the business side, I think, a lot mm-hmm. of times, because Will has the relationship, he has that gravitas when he's talking to people. But, you know, a lot of times you get into partnerships like this, it's very simple to, or easy to think, hey, it's really me, it's doing all the work, I'm the right. guy behind sure. it. But that's, I know for, a, you know, I'll never, it, it, I'll never be what Will is to this company as far as the founder and the visionary, and he's very good at it. And I know what I'm very good at. So it's mm-hmm. just really, I think, knowing that, and, and, you know, he doesn't tread on my on my side of that yeah. PC either. He's very respectful there, too. So it's just a great working relationship. I really – I prayed a lot about going into business with my friend, you know, because we were friends first. Yeah. And the one thing in that other – that oil business or the futures business I talked about, I wasn't friends with him. And I always thought that was going to be why it's going to be successful, that I could leave it and leave him. Yeah, and, right. And just kind of make it a business thing right. and keep my family and my friend life. but. So going in business with Will, I was like, this ends badly. It's not going to be good. You yeah. know, I don't want to You lose to a friend this. and a job and yeah. a, oh, yeah, sure. But I can't imagine doing it any other way. What's conflict like for you guys? You guys yell, you shout. I mean, you're both very built dudes. You guys, <laughs> you you throw chairs. Is it like silent treatment stuff? Like, what's it like for you guys to get into conflict? Yeah, it's... Uh, Take us into, like, the office where you're disagreeing. What yeah. does that feel like to you guys? Typically, it, it escalates quickly because when he doesn't agree with me he just cuts it off and says this is what I want to do mm-hmm. so you know we don't do the silent treatment we don't do the mm-hmm. you know I'm mad at you I'm going to sulk in the corner we address it head on and we address it outside of you know whoever's in the room if we're together right I mean it's I mean it never lasts I wouldn't say it never lasts 30 to 40 minutes we the longest we may be gone is a 24-hour period where we're pretty pissed but yeah I think we have a we communicate well so it's not cool. we are we're always able to kind of get past it and we don't have to agree there's still a lot of decisions that I don't agree sure that I know with him too but he's willing sure. to release that because he knows I can't win if I'm not following through with what you know for for my team if it's not my vision that's a lo- I love you that know? that like yeah. speed of conflict and that like yeah, you've got to get into it fast and get out of it quick right amen yes. yeah that's really cool so for you what's next for you and and d1 like where do you guys feel like you're headed. What's next? What's on the next step? We didn't we didn't talk strategy at all. Yeah. Um, on Will's side, and I feel like with, with you, it's so much. I mean, it seems like you're very operational. You're sort of the leverage of the business side and the yeah, strategy absolutely. side. Where do you guys feel like you're headed next, and what do you feel like is on the come up? Big digital presence. We're investing cool. heavily in that. I mean, from getting you know instead of just bricks and mortar locations where you're training for D1, getting it out to the masses that you know the brand is maybe touched, but we're never going to put a, a D1 in that location. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that's a big initiative, huge on therapy. We've really invested heavily in physical therapy. We already had that piece cool. going, but that's going to be a much larger piece of what we're doing going forward. So it's really a distinguish. I mean, we, we feel like it's a distinguishing factor that other people don't have. Not the te- cool. not the technology side, but the the sports medicine piece and the fact that you train like an athlete with a full all encompassing program. You're not going to find that anywhere else. How do you? you so your first business plan for D1 yeah. had 700 locations in five years, <laughs> or what? Right or whatever. Something like, like that. what have you learned in terms of like strategizing? Like I have a guy, so I run adopttogether.org, which is the we're the online platform for crowdfunding adoptions. And sometimes I have donors who come and go, I want to see your five-year plan. I want to see your 10-year plan. Yeah. And part of me kind of goes, I could create this, I could create a strategy for you, 
but uh, I could create one that looks awesome, and then I could create one where I go, I know I can execute this. But my ability to see five years in advance absolutely is really, really limited. Like it's I impossible. don't, I can't anticipate relationships. I can't anticipate opportunities. There's some things that just like if I look back five years, sure. never in the world could have planned where I am. Wouldn't have wanted to because it's yeah. I'm in a way better place than I would have laid out a structure for. Right. How do you make long-term strategies for things like D1 or even for you guys as you? pitch to investors and sort of things. How do you do that with the limited information really of the future that sometimes you have in an entrepreneurial setting like you're in? It's a great question. And you're right. I mean, that we will get on the phone with banks and we'll get on the phone with, you know, uh, investment advisors for athletes and they want to see the five-year plan. And as you just right. mentioned, I mean, we use the word kinetic, right? It's always moving. It's always changing. Right. To lock yourself in is, is kind of a wasted effort. We look at, I mean, obviously we have a 12-month, really our 18-month is where we kind of cut it off. Okay. Uh, we do have a three-year planning piece, but that, I mean, we both spend about maybe 15, 20 minutes on it when we mm -hmm. have this discussion, you mm -hmm. know, once a year. So uh, just taking digestible chunks quarterly, you know, more than anything else, but staying true to the vision. I think that's the big thing for us is, you know, because we focus on athletics or being the place for the athlete more than anything else. I mean, if you got a real cl crystal clear vision there, you know, everything else kind of falls in line behind it. Nice. If that makes sense. Awesome. Because you're going to get things pushed back, you know, yeah, whether right. it's openings or whatever right. it is. That's awesome. So for you, how does your spirituality play into your role as a leader, yeah. as a partner, all those things? Huge. I mean, I know it's very cliche, but the, the whole idea of, of a, being a servant leader, mm -hmm. you know, like Christ was, is, is a huge piece for me. And I have to constantly check myself against that because it's not my company and I'm running things. It's really these people that are working for us. And I mean, especially for us as a, a service provider for fitness, I mean, this is such a, I mean, there's not many companies where you start or be involved in that actually has the opportunity to impact lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, on a day-to-day -day basis, it's huge. So if you don't have that piece and you're not, if you're not, if it's not part of who we are, at least, at least in our DNA, it doesn't have to be overt in terms of to the secular world where they're like, we're not going that place because it's, you know, it's a Christian place. I mean, we don't hide we don't hide from it, but it's not something we're beating the drum necessarily. Right. Yeah. It's more subtle. Hey, judge us by what we do, right? But you, that has to be prevalent through the entire organization. It can't just be a motto, iron sharpens iron, or whatever we want to right. put on the wall is not just a catchphrase. So uh, it's a huge piece of it. And yeah, I definitely, you know, pray a lot when it comes to making sure that stays within because cool. you get the pressures of, you know, from investors, from everybody else to yeah. a lot of times, you know, maybe go a different route. Right. So if you, uh, it's my last question sure. and my favorite question. Uh, if you and God had a conversation right now sitting in this empty chair to my right, uh, what would God say to you? Do better. <laughs> <laughs> do better. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's, I, I think he'd be really pleased with the work we're doing as an mm -hmm. organization. Um, but there's always room to improve, you know. Mm -hmm. oh, that's a great question. That's a, that's a hard one to answer other than, um, you know, I like to be at peace, I think from when I do my check-in personally, but I think yeah. from the organization-wise, I think he'd be pretty pleased with what, we're, what we've been able to do with the, with the limited amount, I say limited amount, limited amount of facilities the impact yeah. we've been able to make. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Dan, thanks so much for Thank your time. You. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks for making time. Great, great stuff, and I love it. I can't wait for cool. D1 to come to Los Angeles. I keep Me too. Begging, yeah, we got to get real estate prices down, and yeah. then we'll get, we'll get you guys as far. You got us in the places, you know, in the country now, like Huntsville and Greenville. Yeah, it'd be cool to go to LA. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. Thanks, man. Appreciate Thank you. it.